Welcome to another edition of Revealing the Diamond. I'm your host, Tiago Prem Singh. This is part four, part four of my recovery journey. I hope you've had the time to either watch on the YouTube channel or listen on the podcast platforms to how we got here. Um, I, I had no idea how many parts this was going to be, and now we're moving into part four, and I thought, you know, maybe two. I know that this is a part of, um, you know, getting the momentum and the motivation to put this into a book. And uh, it's been really great for me to share openly. I haven't shared openly in this kind of detail uh, my recovery journey so far. So what a great uh, blessing it is to be able to do this in preparation for the book. I've been thinking about titles for the book. If anybody has any uh, ideas, just let me know. So far, I really like the, the title, Becoming the White Line. Um, lion, not line, like uh, L-I-O-N, the white sing, uh, lion. Um, so far, I like that title, but I'm open to suggestions. And uh, if you love the podcast, please rate it, review it, share it with your friends. Uh, we've been doing the podcast for about three years now, and it's been incredible. And it's and it's changed, and it's transformed. And I've met many people whose lives have been touched by the shares. And so uh, I am committed to continuing doing that and just learning new ways to do it. Like, for example, putting it live on the YouTube and uh, sharing as much as I possibly can. I'm definitely committed to doing this work and to being there as a support for anyone who's uh, sharing a similar journey, whatever that might look like. Um, if you would like support in your journey, there's a few ways to do that as far as I'm concerned. And one is to become a member of the Truth Seekers Union. Truth Seekers Union is we meet on Wednesday nights at 7 p.m. We have a conversation about a topic. Um, sometimes the, to uh, the topic is a monthly topic. So, you know, this month we're doing empathy. And uh, next month, you know, we may do something like starting over because it's the start of the new year, or we might do something like devotion, or we might do something like activism or whatever it might be. And that's uh, a sharing circle, much like a recovery circle every week, and anyone can uh, join in that capacity. And there's also the option to become an alchemist member, which means you get access to yoga classes, meditations, um, uh, a digital uh, manual, uh, that kind of thing. So my, I think my brain is kind of on vacation <laughs> still. I keep digging for words. So I hope you've had a... a found some relaxation during your vacation. So maybe we're on the same page. That that would be great. So bear with me if, I, if I'm taking a little moment here to get the, my legs underneath my body right now. Uh, it's been great to just spend some time in relaxation and reading and that kind of thing and, and reflecting on what I want to carry forward. So Please check out Truth Seekers Union. Uh, just go to truthseekersunion.ca and you can become a member there. Um, I also do private counseling, spiritual counseling, counseling, addiction and recovery counseling. So if that's something that you're interested in, just reach out and uh, you can email me, tiagaprem at thedharmatemple.com or DM me on Instagram or, or whatever serves you. You could even leave a comment on YouTube and I'd get back to you. So uh, I think that's it. Um, there are also many other places that you can get uh, support when it comes to recovery or uh, spiritual growth and that sort of thing. So, but I would recommend True Seekers Union. Um, I'm really proud of the work that we're doing there as a community. And uh, so check it out, trueseekersunion.ca. 
Before we start today's episode, also I would like to thank our sponsors. First of all, I would like to thank the Minds Dye. As you can see today, I'm rocking this beautiful uh, indigo dyed, uh, we, we call it the Psychedelic Akali Wear. Uh, me and my friend Napdeep uh, have been calling it the Psychedelic Akali Wear for, for these times, these times of uh, rising up in support of the farmers' protests in Punjab and rising up against some of the shadow banning that has happened towards Sikhs on social media um, and, and doing it with uh, creativity and grace and compassion and courage. Uh, so shout out to Minds Dye. Thanks for keeping me looking fresh. Um, if you would like to get some custom dyed apparel or bed sheets or whatever it might be, uh, pillowcases, that kind of thing, uh, please go to the Minds Dye on the Etsy store or check out the Minds Dye on Instagram. I also would like to thank our other sponsor, Seed. Seed makes hemp pants that are super stylish. They're a uh, socially responsible company, environmentally responsible company. They've been a sponsor of the show for some time. So please check out Seed at theseedstore.ca or go to imseed on Instagram. Thanks so much. All right. So uh, recap. Last week on my recovery journey, um, we talked about some of my experiences um, just discovering Kundalini Yoga and creating a relationship with Guru Singh. And um, we talked about my relapse while I was uh, participating in Kundalini Yoga. And I don't know that I was really like shared my relationship to wearing a turban or anything like that that much or my relationship to Sikhi. And uh, I said we were going to go to India next. And I just want to kind of circle back a little bit and share that. Um, I think I did touch on Japji and how that really moved me. But I want to be clear that I was having a lot of experiences where I was very deeply moved um, by my experiences with the Sikh tradition and the Sikh faith. Uh, Sikh, sometimes pronounced Sikh. I'm just trying to make sure everybody knows what I'm saying. And, um, you know, one of the great moments was on my two years of recovery. It was my first time being sober for two years, you know, without being in a treatment center. I had been sober for uh, over a year, but a year of that was spent in a live-in treatment center in my early 20s, which you would have heard in a previous episode. Um, but anyhow, two years, I was sitting on the floor of the Gurdwara, a small Gurdwara, and a friend of mine had said, oh, would you like to read from the Guru Granth Sahib Ji, the sacred scripture of the Sikhs, one of the, uh, you know, the primary, the voice of the Guru. And so uh, I was like, I don't think I can. Like, I, I don't even know if I'll be able to speak if I go up there. And I just sat in, in this sacred space and I'd never been in that space, been able to stand strong like that my whole life, you know. I've always succumbed to the addiction and to the uh, peer pressure. And I was just overwhelmed with devotion. Like I was like filled with love and bliss and I was speechless and it was incredible. And I have many moments like that in which I'll put in the book, but I just want to be clear that I've had these deep devotional moments. And then I've also had the challenges of, you know, like, succumbing to uh, external pressure from family members and from society to like not wear a turban not wear a beard it, you know it's not attractive it's not you're you're not going to get as many clients or yoga students or whatever it might be and i, I talked about that on social media today um and it, it's it had been quite challenging for me to stand steady in my faith and to like 
gather the courage to stand up for what supported me to um, to be sober and to have these deep devotional experiences. And uh, so that's part of the challenges that led up to my relapse. Like, are you in, are you out? Are you in, are you out? Are you, is this meaningful to you or not? Like, are you ready to step fully into being Tiago Prancing? Or do you want to like hang on to that uh, old version of yourself, which is connected to the addiction and the party lifestyle and all of that? So I just wanted to kind of add a little bit of that as we move into the next part, because I think it's important. So after my relapse, um, I was like, okay, I'm back on board. I'm committed. Let's do the, let's, you know, do the practices. Let's go back to studying um, Gurmukhi and the Sikh way of life. And it was a dream for me to, I don't know if I mentioned this in the previous episode, but like when I was a kid, I used to lay in my bunk bed and I used to, um, on the top bunk, and I used to imagine that I was in the Himalayas and I was sleeping on a mountain peak and it was really real. And then as I got into my teenage years and interested in some Buddhist thought and Tibetan Buddhism, I dreamed of going to the Himalayan mountains and and being in the place where the Dalai Lama is. And that was like a dream and it's always been in me. And so when I did get, so when I did have my relapse and I started to get back into my practice and and recognizing uh, how valuable my commitment was, um, I had my friend Jaydev Singh, some of you may know him, he teaches uh, with a Kundalini Yoga online called Life Force Academy, brilliant teacher. He had gone uh, previously when I was just getting into this to uh, on a pilgrimage to Punjab and he'd gone to Amritsar and Anandpur Sahib and then he'd gone uh, to Dharamsala where the Dalai Lama lives. And I saw these images of him on social media and I was like, oh, I want to do that so bad. That would be a dream come true. And he, I remember reaching out to him. He said, you're going, don't, you know, don't worry about it. So I was like, okay. And uh, as my partner SJ had planned to do a retreat in Thailand and take uh, all, all women's retreat to Thailand. And uh, I love going to Thailand. We'd been there several times and taken students in the past, uh, yoga students. And so I thought, this is it. I, I want to go. I want to go to Punjab. I want to go to India. Uh, and uh, so I talked to some friends of mine, uh, Kelby, some of y'all know Kelby, he's done some sound with me when we had Dharma Temple while I teach, beautiful teacher and a beautiful uh, man who's been, uh, you know, a friend as we're, and we've been walking this path together and he's been learning and growing. So shout out to Kelby. Uh, he just had twins. So uh, with the pandemic and the twins, we don't see each other as much anymore. But during those times, we would do teach together every weekend. He would do the sound and I would uh, deliver the teachings. Uh, so Kelby and then another dear friend, Andrew Measley, he's been on the podcast several times. One of my dear best friends, closest friends. Um, he, he's gone to India a lot and he was like, oh yeah, I'll go with you. Uh, and then another dear friend, Jeremy, who's from the Dharma Temple in Calgary, decided that he would go. And another friend that I met uh, through Yoga West, who is a, a Punjabi descent and uh, is a Sikh and also a yogi, 
who speaks Hindi and Punjabi also said, I would love to do this with you brothers. So we were like, all right, we're going to do it. We're going to go. And I had heard about this uh, pilgrimage um, in Gwindabal that was supposed to, that is, not was, that is, uh, the intention behind it is to clear away 8.4 million lifetimes of karmas. And you, what you do is you recite uh, Japji Saab, the prayer uh, that I had mentioned in the previous episode that really moved me. Then the biggest thing that I learned from Kundalini Yoga that really moved me was this connection to Guru Nanak and Japji Saab. And you recite it 84 times as you go up and down these stairs. And it's like a spiritual Iron Man or something, you know, <laughs> something like that. And so I thought, oh, yeah, I really want to do that uh, as well. And the, everyone else said they would do it too. And so I was like, all right, here we go. Let's, let's do it. And so I, you know, continued to uh, read my Japji and to read Gurmukhi and um, just develop a relationship with this prayer. And, and I had mentioned in the previous episode that uh, I received my spiritual name, Tiaga Prem, uh, Prem Singh, uh, at the same time as my first copy of Japji. And it's always been the foundation of the spiritual way of life that has supported me to find uh, sobriety and stability uh, in my recovery. <clears throat> so I was really excited and also nervous you know, to take on uh, this pilgrimage. And so we, we, you know, geared up and got ready to go. And, you know, like someone like Andrew, he, he doesn't read Gurmukhi, he doesn't understand the language, um, and didn't even recite Japji, and he's about to take on this big feat. So that's a real friend, isn't it? Like, that's a big thing to say that they're going to do with you. So we go on the trip to Thailand, and I'm stable in my sobriety, and I get to spend some time with dear friends and be in Thailand and drink fresh fruit juice and eat fried rice for breakfast, which is one of the things I love to do in Thailand. And uh, it's a beautiful place. And be there with my daughter, ripping around on the scooter, having a good time. And just awaiting our uh, trip to India. And it's a pretty awesome um, journey for me because, you know, while I was struggling with my addiction, most of the traveling that I did was with my partner, SJ, who's a, an adept traveler. And I had traveled as a younger teenager with my family, but I'd never really like traveled on my own. And it's, I guess that's related to the recovery portion too, right? Where it's like, I had never stood on my own in my recovery for long enough. And what a great way to go on pilgrimage to go, bye family, I'm going to go to the airport in Bangkok by myself and I'm going to fly to Delhi and then to Amritsar and here we go. And so off I went and, you know, I'm still in this place of like, oh, I'm not comfortable flying with my turban on because what are people going to think and my passport doesn't match and all of this doubt and stuff. So I... I I don't wear my Dastar and I just wear my long hair and I fly and I'm supposed to meet uh, my friend Andrew when we arrive in Amritsar. We, we plan to be there around the same time and he's traveling from the south of India and our friend Kelby is flying. He's been in Bali so he's flying to meet us and our friend Bobby is, has arrived earlier to spend some time with family in uh, Amritsar in uh, Punjab in India. And our friend Jeremy, uh, towards the last minute, decided that it wasn't in the cards for him to take the trip. So he hasn't been there yet. But I'll go with him at some point. It's going to stretch out 
my leg here. <laughs> it's, if you're watching the video, you know, you notice. If you listen to the audio, you think, what? Why is he telling me that? My leg's uh, falling asleep. <laughs> so let's get comfortable. Um, that's part of sitting on the floor, I guess, doing these things. But I prefer to sit on the floor as a yogi than at, at a desk. So anyhow, Jeremy decided not to go. Someday we are going to be in Amritsar together. So if you're listening to this brother, I'm looking forward to that day. It's going to be so beautiful. So Kelby's gone ahead on his own. He's going to meet us there. Bobby's already in Punjab and me and Andrew are going to meet there. I'm a little bit nervous uh, on all fronts, but I can do this. Like, I, Look how far I've come. I'm sober. I can travel by myself. I'm a big boy. <laughs> And uh, so off I go and I, you know, I get to Delhi, I've got a, a Thai cell phone. And when I get there, I find out that um, you can't use the internet there unless you have an Indian phone number in the, in the airport. So I don't have access to my phone. I can't send a text message. I'm just like going on faith by the grace of the Guru to meet my friends. And so I sit in Delhi and then I get on the plane to Amritsar and I don't have any any uh, rupees or anything. So I've got no Indian money. And uh, here we go, you know, and I arrive in Amritsar and it's a very small uh, airport. And when I walk out the door, you know, there's dudes with like AK-47s and I come out and Andrew's nowhere to be seen. And I have no money. So I think, okay, I wait around, I wait around, I wait around, everybody's staring at me. And I think, okay, well, maybe I'm just going to try and get to a bank machine. So I try and ask the uh, soldiers, the guards, if I can go in and use the bank machine. They're saying, no, you can't go back to the airport. And after some convincing, I'm able to get to a bank machine and I'm able to get a drive uh, in a taxi. I'm just like, I guess, take me to the Harimandar side, to the Golden Temple, because I know that where we book to stay is near there. Um, and it's like a place for pilgrims who are traveling to, to bow their head at the Golden Temple. And so I take a death-defying cab ride. I think for sure I'm going to get robbed. This guy is telling me about how hard his life is, and he's really rough around the edges. And I'm showing him my Guru Nanak tattoo, hoping that we can... Uh, find some common ground and relate to each other and uh, anyhow it goes all right and you know the fear part is just he's very short with me and and pushy and I'm just like holding my space you know and at the same time I'm looking around like I'm here I'm in in India I'm in Punjab it's a dream come true thank you why guru protect me you know and uh, so he goes okay well I'll take you to the golden temple and he drives me up to this gate and he goes like, you're staying here. Just walk straight and it'll be on your left. And I think, okay. And there's a sea of people, people everywhere. And then he's saying, I'm going to pick you back up here tomorrow. Here's my phone number. We, you know, I'll be your guide. And I'm like, you know, here's a, here's a good tip, brother. Like all the best for you. And, and here we go. Let's hope this works, you know. And it was such a beautiful experience when I started walking, even though I was a little uncertain because I'm walking along and I've got long hair and a beard and, and every person, the opposite of what I experienced back home is going like, where's your turban? Where's your Dastar? Where's your pug? Where's your head wrap? Why aren't you? <laughs> and I'm like, oh, geez, sorry, everybody. You know, like the, the opposite of what I ex have experienced at home. 
and I'm walking, I'm walking, I'm walking. I'm starting to think like, I've been walking for a while here. I have no idea where I'm going. I have no ability to contact anyone on the phone. You know, I'll just figure it out, I guess. And so I keep walking. And then in a sea of people, I see my brother, Kelby, and he, you know, way off in the distance. And I'm like, Kelby, Kelby. And I get a hold of uh, him and he tells me, he's like, hey, you found me. That's amazing. I'll show you where we are, where we are staying. And he said, uh, Andrew, um, you know, had trouble with all of his camera gear. And so he missed his flight and he won't be here till late, late tonight. And here, come with me and I'll show you where we're staying. And so we go and we walk and I catch a glimpse of the uh, Darbar Sahib of, of the Golden Temple. And oh my gosh, just, there's no words to describe the feeling that I felt just seeing that. And I bow as we walk by and we go into our room and Bobby's there and we're all really excited uh, to be here. And, you know, Andy's going to be there later and we set our stuff down and it's, it's amazing. And we go and we, we, you know, explore the inside of the uh, where the temple is and the um, Prakarma, the walkway and and the marble and, and the presence of these warriors, men and women and this beautiful uh, tradition in the space. It was the devotion was like nothing I've ever experienced before. And so Andy uh, eventually shows up late at night and we spend a few days uh, here and in preparation to go to do our pilgrimage to Gwyndaval to to do these 84 steps and you now we go into the museum there uh at the Harimandir Sahib and we see you know the persecution that Sikhs have faced and how uh, people have tried to take down the uh the golden temple and the Kaltucket and the atrocities that uh, Sikhs have endured during partition and in 1984, and uh, it was the hundred year anniversary of Jallianwala Bagh and seeing the bullet holes in the brick and just being like, wow, like people have given their lives to carry this tradition. It's so inspiring and I'm coming up against my own challenges and I just felt like you're not alone in facing these challenges. This has been going on for people for a long time. And it's really heart-wrenching because you're like, why, like, what, what are we doing as human beings? Like, why do we insist on like owning other people and owning land and, and hurting each other? Like, it's just baffling. And, and then to be in this place of deep devotion, you know, and remembering how we're interconnected is such a blessing in stark contrast to seeing the amount of suffering that has been imposed on this tradition that's been so meaningful to me. So I just wanted to give a big shout out and a thank you to everyone who has carried this tradition with strength and courage. So uh, yeah, anyways, we, we prep up and we're going to go and we're going to do this uh, 84 steps. And the 84 steps is, you know, you go into, uh, you had to travel. We had a driver named BJ and we had to travel uh, some way to another town and we get there and we're going to do it through the night because it's a pilgrimage site and people um, are there all day going down to, going down to see this uh, sacred site. And basically what it is, is you go down 84 marble stairs, 
84 marble stairs down into a well. And the well is uh, said to have uh, holy water, cleansing water. Um, I believe it's more about the process more than it is about the external thing. I mean, all water is holy water, and we've learned that from Guru Nanak, so that's the reality. But it's just the process, the commitment, the prayer, the devotion, the resilience that is required where I believe that's where the benefit comes from. And so we have a meal and we take pictures with the young kids who want to see us. And there's a lot, a lot of people there. And I've made laminated sheets with the prayer for my dear brothers who are learning the prayer and, and myself. I mean, at this point, you know, I know it almost off by heart, but sometimes I get confused. And so it's the night, the night before the 84 steps and or, or the night of the 84 steps. And so we go and we have a longer, like the free meal that's available in any secret Dwara. Uh, around the world and we have a beautiful meal and we prepare for meditation my homie Kelby I have a beautiful photo of him just you know preparing for this this task of endurance this feat of endurance we're about to face and so we go in maybe I don't know if it's like 7 p.m or something after our meal and uh, we're ready to go and we we go all the way down and it's busy there's a lot of people and we're, we've got our prayers on our laminated sheet, like kind of like, I don't know, two feet uh, long and very narrow. So we can easily hold it in our hand and it's laminated so it doesn't get wet. And we go down and we kind of dip in and we're like squished against the wall with like your face against the marble reading this prayer and thinking like, oh my God, are like... Are, are we going to be able to do this? Like, if it stays like this all night, this is going to be insane. Like, are, have we made some kind of mistake? Maybe we should have just, like, splurged on a nice hotel in Amritsar and had, like, a, had, you know, some nice mango drinks and just chilled by the pool, <laughs> that kind of thing. But we, we do, we're doing it, and we're dipping in. First step, recite the prayer. It takes about 15 minutes, you know, 10 to 15 minutes, depending on who's reading and then you dip in the water. Second step, recite the prayer in its entirety, 10 to 20 minutes, back into the, the cold water, up, one, two, three, recite it again, back into the cold water, one, two, three, four, recite it again, back into the cold water, and this is happening through the night. And as the night goes by, it's very cold, I'm chilled to the bone, as the night goes by, the people are starting to disappear and there's getting to be less and less people and you're cold and you're tired and you're also moving into these deep states of meditation. And I'm watching this uh, great warrior, you know, sword tied into his turban in front of me and I'm watching him go up and down with this incredible fiery determination. And I'm like, I'm just going to do my best to keep up with that guy and just keep my focus on him. And my dear brothers, you know, some of them took some breaks. And, you know, I'll, I'll, maybe on the podcast we'll do some interviews and, and see their perspective. Um, but they definitely face some of their own challenges. And I can just speak to myself. And if you're interested, I, I could do we could do a group chat maybe uh, in one of the further episodes and talk about India. But, you know, around... And, and there's a full moon. This is the beautiful thing. There's a full moon right now when this is being recorded. There's a full moon shining through the doorway down the stairs while we're doing this. Like, I mean, it's surreal and, and psychedelic. I mean, I've done a lot of psychedelic drugs in my earlier days. And I, I'm like, 
the veil is very thin between the ethereal realm and and this very physical tangible experience that i'm having and you know at i take one break to go to the bathroom that's it and i keep saying like if i stop i won't keep going like i'm just go 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 and i think around step 70 you know it's four in the morning or something who knows what time it is there's no concept of time at this point uh, i start thinking I'm exhausted, I'm freezing, I'm sore. I, maybe 70 is good enough. Like I've come all this way. And then I hear in the distance, and it's getting closer and closer and closer. And then this, you know, it gets right up to the door. And then this old sing, like he could be hundreds of years old, who knows? You know, he could be 70, he could be 150, it's up for debate. And he's blind, and he's walking with a cane, and he's chanting this mantra. And he walks all the way down the stairs blind with no help, and, you know, takes off his uh, robes, dips in the water, gets back up, says a prayer, puts the robes back on, and then marches back up the stairs. Satanam, wahe guru. And I hear the chanting going further and further into the distance. And I'm like, if that guy could walk through the city and down the stairs by himself, blind with that kind of determination early in the morning, I can finish this. And, and it's interesting because at the time I'm thinking, was that even real? Or, you know, because it really is a psychedelic experience. Was he really there or was it a figment of my imagination? I don't really know at the time. So I'm, you know, I'm charged up and I... I finish and Bobby finishes about, you know, my friend Bobby, he finishes about a step in front of me and he goes in and, the, and so when I finish, I'm standing at the top of the stairs and, and by myself. And it's like, I haven't had this feeling. I've only had this feeling one other time when my daughter was born where I was like, I don't know whether to laugh, uh, laugh or cry. I don't know if I'm happy or sad. I'm just like emotions are rushing through me. And there's just like this glow of love. And it's so overwhelming. It almost knock you off your feet. And then I go to find Bobby in this little room that we rented in the Gurdwara uh, to see what we're going to do next. And man, I was out there. And following, and following that experience, you know, I, w I was sick for a few days. Like a major purging happened. It was intense. And um, I feel like that experience is still unpacking. You know, 8.4 million lifetimes of karma dissolved. I don't think it's like, done. It's more like, okay, wow, look at what you did. Now these things can start to be worked out of you and wow it's been incredible and then uh, we went to Anandprasad for Vasaki uh, which is the birth uh, place of the Khalsa um, and we can talk a little bit more about what that is in future episodes but I really wanted to go there and we stayed at Yogi Bhajan's house and uh, one story that I love sharing is you know I've talked about some of the signs and wonders on this path and this is one of the big ones where for some reason, when I'm reciting the uh, Japji Sab, for some reason when I'm reciting it, there's this one passage that's really standing up to me, Akana Jor, Chupana Jor. 
Um, and it, 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 in the 33rd party of Jepji, it's talking about how you don't have any control and that like Dharma or your purpose is flowing through you. And it never really stood out to me before, but it was standing out big time to me this time as I read them. 33rd party, 33rd party, 33rd party. And then when I got better after my sickness, the purging that came after the pilgrimage, my first meal, I went and sat down at a table and you know, they put the number on the table that says like what number your meal is. Excuse me, 33. Oh, that's interesting. And then I heard from Kelby later on that when he had had his moment of doubt and almost gave up his journey on the steps, what step did it happen on? 33. And, you know, I, I said to Bobby, this 33 keeps showing up. Like, what is the 33rd party of Jepji again? We talked about how this idea of no control. You're not controlling it, that your Dharma is coming through you. And uh, so then we go to Anandbursavan and it's Vasaki. So we're like sitting in a car for like three hours to drive 26 kilometers. A lot of people are going there. And, um, we get there late at night, we get to our rooms and, you know, I've arranged with uh, the care caretaker. I don't know if that's the right word, but the steward of the land there that we can stay there. And she's, she's like 70 something years old. And so she's in bed by the time we get there. So security shows us to our rooms. And when we wake up in the morning, we go to find the outdoor kitchen and have some breakfast, beautiful grounds. And uh, we walk the outdoor kitchen and she comes walking up the cane. She's uh, injured herself and she comes walking up the cane and she says to us, you know, welcome, glad you made it here. And then goes into like a whole Dharma talk about the 33rd body of Chapji, almost like without even introducing ourselves. And me and Bob look at each other like, what? Pretty amazing. And then from there, you know, we, we tour around and, and we check out the different sites and, you know, can go deeper into that in another episode. Um, and then we find ourselves eventually in the Himalayas. And the journey there is hilarious because our driver's never really been up into the Himalayas and he's got to drive this van and um, he's on heart medication. And, you know, it's a little bit stressful if you're used to driving on the flat ground of Chandigarh and then here you are up in the Himalayas and you haven't driven up there before and you're driving this big van with these uh, big, you know, English speaking Canadians. Um, anyhow, it's pretty, pretty hilarious. I'll save that one for maybe when we interview Andrew, because uh, he's the one who eventually tells the guy to get out of the driver's seat and he drives the van the rest of the way up. Pretty funny. Um, but we get up there and, you know, we go to the place where the Dalai Lama lives and I hear the monks chanting and I'm just like, oh, I feel, I haven't felt so at home in that trip, maybe ever, you know, it was just incredible. And then we go for a trek up, uh, up, you know, Mount Triund and we're in the Himalayas and we're sleeping up, you know, 12,000 feet and the mighty mountains are there behind us. And I feel like I'm, eight years old again, and I'm free. It was amazing and so beautiful to be there with these brothers. And uh, then we hike back down the mountain and we've had this incredible life-changing experience. And I get back in a plane and go back to Thailand to spend some time with my family. 
and uh, what a journey. And I'm just reminded on this trip, like I've always known some part of me that this is where I'm going, this connection to Sikki, this connection to India, this connection to the Tibetan Buddhism, this connection. And one other interesting thing that I wanted to share in this India episode is that um, I find out that uh, in the Tibetan tradition, there are some parts in the, in the Himalayas where they talk about Lama Nanak, meaning like a high Tibetan uh, title relating to Guru Nanak. And I also find out that there, there is some beliefs uh, or understanding reasonings that Guru Nanak is the reincarnation of Padmasambhava, the sage who brings Tantra to uh, the Tibetan people. And I'm like, of course, I'm definitely connected to this. I know it. And all of this suffering that I've experienced in my recovery journey is leading me here to this moment, to this place that I've always known I'm going to go. And it doesn't make it any easier, the journey there. It is a pilgrimage and it is as challenging as those 84 steps. It requires resilience and there's moments of doubt. And But through it all, through all the pain and suffering, there is this part of me that has known and it's in all of us. And this work, this recovery work really is a pilgrimage to the shrine within the golden temple within us, this understanding of who we are. And we're all going to wind up there. That's the beautiful part. And, and if you're in a position right now where you're thinking, there's no way, like, I don't feel like I could do that. You feel stuck. You feel like I've made the same mistake hundreds of times. I, I understand that. And I'm just here to say, you know, we don't know, like the 33rd party of Japji, we don't know what the journey is going to look like. We can make plans and we can, you know, set goals and we can do all of those things. But really what it's about is listening and learning to listen through the pain to the part of us that knows to the inner loving awareness that is always there. And it's my prayer that you have some kind of support system that will uh, help to guide you. Because that's what I found in Sikhi, in my yoga practice, in my meditation practice, in my connection to music. Like there's so many aspects and elements that have supported me. But the more I, you know, remove the layers of karma, the layers of suffering through uh, a commitment to holistic healing, through a commitment to recovery work, the more I realize I've known it all along. Some part of me has known it. Not my ego, not my need to be right, not my intellect, not my need to prove that I'm in control or in charge. Not None of that. But there's this gentle inner knower, the part of me that had me pretending at eight years old that I'm on top of the Himalayan mountain. The same part of me that was overcome with the bliss while I'm standing in front of the, the Guru at two, two years sober. The same part of me that is being guided you know, to the Golden Temple to see my friend, to go through these 84 steps, to learn the language, to receive the name that I have received. It's all divinely orchestrated. And I'd love to say, and then I live happily ever after and everything is all great and there are no more challenges and I just live a life of devotion and, and love and service. But my friends, that's not how it unfolds. I come back from India and things are looking good. I've, I've grown in an incredible way. And 
there's big challenges up the way. And I think that's where we'll leave it. So thank you so much for listening to this episode of Revealing the Diamond. It means the world to be able to share with you. Uh, please do check out uh, True Seekers Union. I could just bring that up onto the screen if you're watching uh, here on the YouTube channel. Go to trueseekersunion.ca and become a member of the work that we're doing. Um, there are many ways to get involved if you are interested in private counseling uh, for spiritual growth or for recovery work, please let me know. I'd be more than happy to connect with you. Uh, you can email me, tiagaprem at thedharmatemple.com. You can also send me a DM on Instagram or leave a comment here, whatever works for you. If you love this podcast, please rate it, review it, share it with your friends. I'm thinking about having some guests in the new year, so I'm looking forward to doing that. Um, if you love the YouTube, please share it with your friends. Uh, follow me on Instagram at Tiago Prem Singh. Uh, and yeah, we'll just keep sharing the journey. If you have ideas for the book title, please also let me know. I would love to uh, hear your thoughts and insights. I hope you've been enjoying the journey. Um, I look forward to unpacking India with more details in the future with the crew who was there with me. Um, I'm really looking forward to sharing that with you all. And uh, I think that's it for today. I hope you have the next episode will be in 2021. So I hope you have a happy new year. And uh, thank you all for the love and support. Uh, please share this video with your friends. Please share this podcast with your friends. And uh, we'll see you next time on Revealing the Diamond. Bless. Thank you.